From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Every 10 years, the census gets distributed to every household, ideally, in the United States. The constitutionally mandated questionnaire tells a story about who and what we are as a country, along with more practical implications. Thousands of people, from door-to-door census takers to state governments, prepare for years in advance to execute the massive push behind the census. The results determine how much say you or I or anyone has in our political process and how resources are allocated in communities across the nation and Georgia. GPB reporter and editor Robert Jimison has been exploring the ins and outs of the 2020 census and joins me in the studio to walk through what he's learned in months of reporting. Robert, great to have you with us. Good morning, Virginia. So first, quick civics lesson on the census itself. What is its function? Well, so it comes from the Constitution, Article 1, Section 2. There's this thing called the Enumeration Clause. This is where the Founding Fathers decided that starting in 1790, we'd have a count of the population every 10 years to determine how many congressional seats each state gets. Now, the process, it's changed quite a bit since then. Here's how it works this year, 230 years later since it started. Between March 12th and March 20th, almost every home in the country, like you mentioned, will receive a mailer from the Census Bureau. That mailer will have a link on it with a code and instructions on how to go online to complete the form. This is different. This is the first year that the census will be done online. You'll follow those instructions, fill out your info for yourself, your home, and everyone who lives in the home, and you're done. But for some people in hard-to-count areas, they'll receive a mailer that will be filled out by hand. They call that an analog mailer. They'll fill that out by hand and mail it back. They target areas that don't have internet or maybe low response rates. So what kind of information does the census count? Well, like I said, the main point is to determine how many congressional seats each state gets. But the census can go beyond that. That's the only constitutionally mandated part. But the government also wants to know other information. How old are you? What's your sex? What's your gender? What's your race? Do you own your home? Do you pay rent? Are you living in a home and not paying rent? They ask these questions to get an idea and shape that picture of who's in the country. So those questions about race and ethnicity, these have been debated in the count for years. Given the complex history and sensitivities about race in the U.S., why why does the government ask about race? So the why... They ask about race because it helps them to allocate those funds. Like I mentioned, there's a lot of money, billions of dollars, the federal government sends into the states. 55 different agencies ranging from federal lunch programs to roadway construction to education to hospitals. Those come from federal government into the state. So having a better picture of who is where gives those agencies a better idea on what kind of funds and programs to bring into those communities. Now, this year, the census will have more racial information and ethnic background information. Uh, previous years, there was checkboxes for Latino or Hispanic and other. Uh, there was all sorts of confusion. People didn't understand the question, and it led to other being checked as the most common uh, box. That meant that we didn't really have a good picture of who and what were in the country. This time around, race and ethnicity will have additional questions to include detail about country of origin. So, for example, non-Hispanic white respondents, they'd be asked to write a country like Germany, England, or Italy in the fill-in-blank. Now, this helps those agencies, like I mentioned, understand how to bring funds into the states and where to give them. So in early 2018, the Trump administration made clear its intention to include a question about citizenship status. It was challenged in a case that went to the Supreme Court last summer. Remind us of how that was decided and and its implications for how people think about the census. So that question in particular was struck down by the Supreme Court, so it will not be included on the 2020 census. And this is where community partners come in. Because there's that question, because people maybe didn't hear that it was struck down by the Supreme Court and they think that it'll be on the census, 
we're working with community partners, the government on federal, state, and local levels. They're working with community partners like Latin leaders in the community to help get the word out that that will not be on there and your citizenship status is not a question and they can't derive it from your census. There's no harm in filling out your census. So people can fill out the form online, you said. In your reporting, you found that the census is taking extra precautions to protect people's privacy in the digital age. What do those initiatives look like? So one thing, they're really putting a lot of money and a lot of emphasis on the technology to be secure in the census process. A benefit, it's run by one agency, the Census Bureau. So you don't have a bunch of agencies working together. It's one agency. They're able to contract out their cybersecurity needs and it makes it a lot easier to secure the information that's coming in and protect the data from everyone who responds. The census normally struggles to accurately count certain populations. For example, I'm thinking of people experiencing homelessness or maybe who recently immigrated to the U.S., people who've changed addresses. You spoke with groups working to reach those populations. What are they doing? So like you mentioned, there have been areas with low response rates and people who are considered hard to count. Now, these reasons range from low response rates because of language barriers, lack of knowledge on the census, low trust in government, poor communication, or like you mentioned, homeless populations. Now, this online form is going to solve a number of those problems. A lot online form gives you more languages. There's 59 languages available. So if there is a language barrier, you're sure to be covered. They cover over 98% of the languages spoken here in the United States. Now, you mentioned the organizations. They're working with local governments like the city of Atlanta, for example. The city here does a really good job keeping track of the homeless population year over year. So organizations like Fair Count. That's the organization started by Stacey Abrams, a former gubernatorial candidate. Now, they are solely focused on these hard-to-count areas and making sure that they are represented in the census. Now, they have things like their technology initiative, where they're setting up over 150 hotspots in places like churches, community centers, barbershops even. They're bringing laptops and tablets into those areas that have low internet subscription rates to help them fill out their census forms. Fair Count and others are working with local religious leaders also, and we mentioned different ethnic groups and community centers to help reach more people. Robert Jemison is with us. He's an editor and reporter here at GPB, and he's been looking into the nuts and bolts of the 2020 census, both nationally and in Georgia. So the census is required for all citizens, but some gripe that it's an inconvenience and, and may wish they didn't have to fill it out. But a lot of government programs and dollars are reliant on census data. What are, what are some of the things that are at stake? Some of the things at stake here, if you do not participate, we lose money here in Georgia. So in the 2010 census, Georgia reported 9.6 million people in their population. Now that resulted in 15, 15 billion, excuse me, billion with a B dollars of federal aid. If you break that down, each person in Georgia who responded to the census got $1,600 for the state. All right, that brings it home. That's, that's the stakes right there. So if you fill out your census but you forgot to put your newborn on, that's $1,600. If you forgot to put your grandmother on who lives in the home with you, that's another $1,600 that Georgia, everyone in Georgia, is losing out on. How about here in Georgia? Who are the people in the state working to get the word out to increase participation? And what are some of the challenges? So you've got three different levels here. You've got the state government led by Brian Kemp. You've got local government, local complete count committees all over the state. And then you have those nonprofit partners that we mentioned. It's been on the Georgia government's radar for a number of years. How has the state actually been preparing for this 2020 census? 
So, Virginia, you're absolutely right. In 2017, Governor Nathan Deal saw that this would be a big deal for Georgia in 2020. He knew the stakes, so he he created a complete count committee. Now, Governor Brian Kemp has taken over that. And last week, the governor's office rolled out their plan. Governor Kemp had a video out explaining what people will see over the next few months. Let's hear a little from that. The census impacts everything from your representation in Congress to federal funds that benefit your community on critical issues including health care, education, and transportation. Over the next few months, you will hear from our state census team that has been working hard the last two years along with our federal partners and various nonprofits on the importance of filling out your census form. So what you'll hear is ads on the radio, digital billboard ads. One thing people will see is ads on their power bill. Everyone gets a power bill. It's it's how they're reaching out to people. And we mentioned the language barrier before. They're having ads in coloring books with census information so that maybe the child at home speaks English or knows this information well. It's more reachable than the parents, and they can bring that message home. These complete count committees, what are they doing locally? Any examples? So I've got one great example. I went down to Houston County a couple weeks ago. They formed a complete count committee of five different branches of government that are all in Houston County. You've got the Board of Education, you've got the county commissioner, you've got the cities that are all in Houston County, all coming together. And they understand what's at at play here. They're working to bring all these voices and people together. I talked to Mandy Stella. She works in the mayor's office of Warner Robins, and she talked about why they wanted to bring together all these people to serve their diverse population and to get that census information correctly. And while we realize that people may not trust everything that we're saying, we know that someone that's in that room has a targeted group of people that trust them. And that if we, as part of our strategic marketing plan that we have got set in place, that if we're all disseminating the same information, the same verbiage, that we will be able to impact a larger group in our community. And what she's talking about is the group that they've assembled to help out with getting the message out. Examples, the fire chief in their community, the former Houston County Teacher of the Year, ministers and local leaders, librarians, all of those people to help get the word out. Another person I talked to who's working on the census in Houston County is Jake Cox. Now, he works in the county's planning office. For him, the census is another opportunity for more benefits for Georgia's military bases. Having more of a representation in Congress from Georgia, it better protects Robbins Air Force Base, um, Kings Bay Submarine Base, um, Fort Stewart, Fort uh, Gordon, uh, Fort Benning. So what he's talking about, Virginia, is the potential for having more representatives on Capitol Hill. They could end up on a committee that impacts those military bases. So those are the people. But you also mentioned power and money right at the top. How is political power determined by the census? Right. So the greater your population is, the more representatives you get in Washington, D.C., in the House of Representatives. So in 2010, it was decided after the census that Georgia would gain an additional congressional seat. This was because of the population growth and people's responses to the questionnaire. Let's drill into the money a little bit more. You talked about how federal dollars come into the state. What are some of the programs that those actually fund? So all sorts of programs ranging from Medicaid to SNAP benefits. But think about things like the hurricane that hit last year. When they're deciding how much federal aid to give those different states, they rely on the census data to figure out how many farmers are there, how many people are in those communities so that they can go, we've got this big pot of money, we've got to distribute it fairly, let's use our census data. So if somebody does not respond to the census, it could impact many things like the quality of schools in their communities for the next 10 years. 
What about road work, infrastructure, that kind of thing? Yes, absolutely. This is a you, you get one chance every 10 years. If you don't fill that out today, for April 1st, you're done until the next 10 years. So if you have poor quality roads, it's because the Census Bureau doesn't understand who is there. Based on population data we've seen since the last census, what are we expecting to see in terms of demographic or population shifts in Georgia since 2010? So population shifts, we're expecting huge growth. We're expecting it to be about a million plus more people added since 2010. Demographically, probably not this round, but likely the next census, we're looking at the potential for a majority minority state. Now, the white non-Latino population in Georgia, it's dropped to 54%. That's down three percentage points since 2010. And other minority groups like the black group communities, Asian community, Latino populations in the state, they've steadily been climbing. So what we might see over the next couple of years is a flip on who's the majority in the state of Georgia. Now, trends suggest that growing counties like Forsyth County, Douglas, Henry and Rockdale counties, they will continue to rapidly diversify. And we'll find out more about that after we get the data back from the census. Robert, based on the reporting you've done, what is the one thing that you think people need to know about the 2020 census? I think the one thing is that there is a lot of money at stake and a lot of importance going on here. The governor's office is making this a truly bipartisan mission. This is a truly unique committee. You've got the chair of the Republican Party of Georgia. You've got the chair of the Democratic Party of Georgia. Truly a bipartisan task force all coming together because, like I mentioned before, $1,600 is what each Georgian got dollar-wise from the 2010 census. That number could go up significantly based off of the responses to the census. Robert Jimison, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Robert Jemison, editor and reporter here at GPB. You can find more of his reporting on the census, including a sample census questionnaire at gpbnews.org. And how else can we leave you but with a song about the census? This is a 1980 jingle from the Ad Council encouraging people to participate. The census is coming to help us plan the way to show us where we're going so that we can if you have thoughts on the census or anything else that we talk about, you can go to our Facebook page, GPB Radio's On Second Thought, or on Twitter at OST Talk. Stay with us. There is more On Second Thought coming up. After the break, we're going to hear from author Margaret Wilkerson Sexton on the power of intergenerational bonds from her new novel, The Revisioners. That's when On Second Thought continues.